Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. You know, I've been getting great testimonies from all over the world about people who are participating and benefiting and sharing these weekly broadcasts and then people who are actually using them as I groups and bringing their family. You know, that's the greatest joy that comes to me is when you take these messages and when you share them with your family and friends, either by posting or sending them links or inviting them to your house, you know, to look at them with you. I'll tell you, and by the way, one of the things that you can do that will help us so much is be sure to always like these videos as well as subscribe to my channel because that's going to cause more people to see and hear this message. If we want to reach a billion people, we've all got to do it together. I'm going to be talking to you about manifesting the glory of God. I'm telling you, you're going to love this. It's going to transform your life. I'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. I've got a great free download for you this month. The attitude that always win. All you've got to do to get this free message is click right there on the right-hand top side of your screen, and you can get it right now in your inbox. You know, I don't know what kind of images are conjured up in your mind when you think about the glory of God manifesting. You know, and particularly when you look at the Old Testament, you know, when you look at the Old Testament, the glory of God manifests in a lot of external ways in the physical world. You know, the cloud by day, the fire by night, all of those kinds of things have manifested the glory of God. But what we fail to understand is the New Testament concepts of the glory of God being manifest now that Jesus has come and been resurrected from the dead. You know, I had a, a church one time, and uh, we just built the building, and we we're getting ready for a special meeting, and uh, we didn't have time to do everything we needed to do before this special meeting started. So it had been a, a garage where they worked on cars, so it was a metal building, and, and in the roof it had skylights. So when we got ready to lay the ceiling tile in the ceiling, we didn't have time to insulate that. And so the ceiling tile, the back of it, it was about the three quarters of an inch thick or maybe a half inch. And the back of it had a pink sort of insulation on it. Of course, the, the ceiling part of it was white. Well, whenever the sun would shine through those skylights and hit those tiles, if the lights were low in the auditorium, you would see this orange hue, like, and it was orange about the color of the sun setting. So it was, a, it was a really interesting look. So we kicked off our meeting, and there was a couple that came there that had a background kind of in sensationalism, and they came you know, to the meeting. And one of the things that we used to do very often in those church services is, is during our worship, we would lower the lights, and we had what's called theater lights around the walls, so it wasn't completely dark, but we'd lower the lights. And before we would ever begin the teaching and preaching part of the service, part of our worship service would often be just gathering at the altar and praying or allowing people to get up, and we would pray and just seek God and prepare our hearts for what was about to happen. 
So this older couple that came from a kind of a background, you know, where there was a lot of jumping and shouting and, and running around, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that's the background they came from. So we lowered the lights, and people were down at the altar praying. And so when we lowered those lights, and this was in the summer, so, you know, the sun didn't go down until nearly 9 o'clock in the evening. So the sun was shining through those skylights, and there were these huge red areas in the ceiling just glowing. And I'll never forget this lady. She looked up and suddenly she began to shake and to quiver and she began to shout, the glory of God, the glory of God, the glory of God is manifesting. And you know, I, I never told her any different because I didn't want to embarrass her and didn't want to make her feel bad. But you know something? That's kind of the way many people think about the glory of God. You know, I've heard stories about you know, a mist filled the room. You know, the room was filled with haze. And, you know, I've heard things like that. And I'm not discounting that those things happen. But those are more religious concepts of the glory of God. I want to talk to you about the biblical concepts of the glory of God manifesting, particularly since Jesus came to planet Earth. Now, just again, let me just redefine the word glory. It comes from the Greek word doxa. And it means it has to do with the splendor, the greatness, the brightness, the majesty, the wonder, all of these things about God. But ultimately, within this definition of the concepts of the glory of God is the view, the opinion, and the reality. So you understand that all of these wonderful attributes of God only manifest when God's view and opinion is accepted as the reality or is accepted as the absolute truth. Now, you say, well, how does that get into a manifestation of the glory of God? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you what Jesus said about the glory of God. In John 17, starting in verse 4, Jesus said this, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work you have given me to do. And John 17, 6 says, I have manifested your name. Now stop and think about it. When Jesus came to planet earth, his primary purpose was to manifest the true nature and character of God. You know, Moses gave us the law. There wasn't anything wrong with the law. And the only weakness of the law was the flesh. And that carnal men who had not been born again tried to interpret the law and figure out how to apply it. And they twisted it into something that was negative, something that brought death, even though it was intended to give life. They twisted it into something that turned into ultimate legalism and turned people away from God. So Jesus came and manifested God. He was the Word of God. He was everything that God had ever said and intended by what He said manifest in the flesh. In other words, in His life, the way He lived His life, the messages that He taught, the way He treated people, and of course, ultimately, in His death, burial, and resurrection. So one of the things that Jesus did in revealing God is he says, I have manifested your name. Now, what are the names of God? You see, that's one of the problems. We don't even believe in the name of God. You say, well, of course I do. God is God. No, no, no. You know, the Bible says that one of God's name is Jehovah who heals you. So if you think God makes you sick, you don't believe in Jehovah Rophi. You don't believe that God is the God who heals you. You believe that he's the God who makes you sick. 
If you believe that God torments you to teach you things and causes you hardship, then you do not believe in the name of Jehovah Shalom, the Lord God, your peace. If you think that God lets the devil beat up on you or hurt you or this sort of thing, then you obviously don't believe in the Lord as your banner of victory. You know, and you can just go down the list. You know, one of the interesting things I did in the prayer organizer is because we are to approach God, hallowed be the name, first and foremost, reminding us of his name because his name and his word are inseparable. His name, his word, and his character are inseparable, and his name reveals his character, and his name gives us the very basis for understanding how we should interpret his word. But ultimately, Jesus came and fully manifested the glory of God by showing us what Jehovah Shalom looked like. You know, Jesus, he said, I didn't come to condemn the world. Jesus said, you know, I'm bringing you a peace that the world doesn't know about. You know, he never, ever, ever refused to heal anybody, not one time. You can go down the list of God's names as the Bible gives them, and Jesus never did anything incongruent with the names of God. So he glorified God by demonstrating God's true character and God's nature, which really revealed and showed people what the Word of God was about. And then Jesus says in John 17, 10, talking about the disciples, he says, I am glorified in them. In other words, he is glorified through the lives of his disciples. Now, the disciples don't glorify God differently than Jesus glorified God. In other words, as disciples, we should be people who manifest the names, the character, and the nature of God. We should be people who take Jesus' interpretation of who God is, what God really meant by what he said. We should be taking that to the world. Now, I will tell you something. If we are not living as disciples, committed to what Jesus taught us about God, then we can't glorify God. As a matter of fact, we'll take away from the glory of God. So, Disciples are people who manifest the true character, the true nature, manifest the names of God. And we understand who God is because of what Jesus taught us, because of how he lived and treated people, because of what he accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection. And the key thing is we don't do that just by what we teach. Jesus didn't do that just by what we teach. We do it by how we live. I'm not talking about living a flawless, perfect life because none of us are ever going to do that. But I tell you what, when we walk in love, when we treat people with kindness, when we allow the fruit of the Spirit to manifest in our life, I guarantee you this, we are glorifying God. You know, the Apostle John said more than once that no man had ever seen God. And right in the middle of talking about that, but he talks about walking in love. I want to tell you something. When we love people, based on God's definition of love, not the kind of love that says, oh, your sin's all right. Jesus never said people's sin was all right. He loved them even though they were in sin and helped get them out of sin. Listen, we're going to talk more about manifesting the glory of God. You want to hear this. You want to get this. I'll be right back. My new series, Paradigms, Perspective, and the Glory of God, is designed to do just what it sounds like. I want you to see 
to perceive and to experience the glory of God, the reality of God, the splendor of God, the greatness of God, the power of God in every single area of your life. And I'll tell you something. When you can see God's reality, you can believe God's reality. And when you believe God's reality, you will experience in every part of your life. You definitely want this series. You know, one of the most interesting things that Jesus said about manifesting the glory of God was the fact that that happened because he and the Father were one. As a matter of fact, in John 17, 11, Jesus is praying and he says, keep through your name those you have given me that they may be one as we are one. Now, what does it mean to be one with God? Well, number one, we are born of God now. We are flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. We have been spiritually born into the family of God. So we're one with him in that way. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of people today trying to preach a gospel that says everybody's saved. They just don't know it. I'll tell you, there's not one scripture in the Bible, unless you take it out of context, that can support that. People who are against God, who don't know God, people who hate God, people who are apostates, people who are Satanists, they are not one with God. They are not born again and just ignorant of the fact. See, being one with God means we have one purpose. We have one doctrine. We have one revelation. You see, if you don't want to share or if you're not interpreting the Bible and the way you apply it to your life from what Jesus taught, then it's impossible to be one with God, one in purpose, one in nature, one in doctrine, one in teaching. And if we want to help people, we want to help people to see who they are in Jesus. They're connected to Jesus. So what is the glory that Jesus possesses that he gives us? Because he says in John 17, 22, he says, the glory which you gave me I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. Well, the glory that Jesus had, the glory of the Father was the view, the opinion, the truth, the reality of who God really was, what God really intended, what God was really trying to accomplish through everything that he said and did. I want to tell you something. Everything God ever said and did, he did it so we could experience his love so we could live a better quality of life so that we could enjoy life absolutely to his fullest. And Jesus shows us that. And also everything that he ever said would show us how to treat other people, how to treat other people fairly. Like I've said to you so many times, where the commandments become legalistic is when we try to apply them to everybody else and tell everybody how they should be living and acting. You know, that's only for us to apply to ourselves. And Jesus goes on to get pretty specific. In John 17, 23, he talks about this glory of God, which is the very next verse about, hey, I'm going to give them the same glory that you gave me. And by the way, if you don't have it, you can't give it. John 17, 23 goes on to say this, and here's the glory. I in them and you and me, that they may be made perfect or complete in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That word, again, perfect means to be complete or brought to fruition. So he says, I want something to be accomplished from us being one. 
So then in verse 24, he goes, I know I'm scooting through this. And in the CD, I'm going to go through a series. I go through a lot more details because we just have a limited amount of time here. He says in verse 24, and this is still right in the same passage. He says, Father, I desire that they, al that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. That word behold means to see, to perceive, or experience. So Jesus came to reveal the Father to us, to reveal that the Father loves us just as he loved him. Now stop and think what religion tells you. Man, if you go into probably the majority of churches in the world, and so I just want you to know I've got this revelation. God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. I'll tell you something. They'd be ready to drag you outside and stone you or run over you with a car or at least kick you out of church. That's blasphemous to think that God loves you. But Jesus said part of the glory that I'm giving them, part of this reality, part of this truth that they've got to be able to grasp and experience is they've got to change their opinion about how you relate to them, how you feel about them. Them. You love them just in the same way that you love me. Man, alive. I'll tell you, if that became the message that the church would preach, oh boy, how the world would change. You know, the, the gospel, the good news. That's what, see, the word gospel means good news. What is the good news? The good news is God loves you as much as he loves Jesus because that's the price he paid for you and that Jesus has already paid for your sin. So if you come to him, there's no question about receiving the mercy of God. There's no question about experiencing the love of God. There's no question about forgiveness. There's no question about eternity because it's all already been settled. Everything's been settled except your part. So what do we look like if we're manifesting the glory of God? Well, you know, John 14, 12 tells us the works that I do, shall they do also and greater. So if we're manifesting the glory of God, we, on some degree, would be doing the same works that Jesus did. We'd be praying for the sick. We'd be ministering to people. We'd be flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. See, all of those things that manifest God's love, it's real easy to get off track here. Is it just the healing itself that manifests the glory of God, just the fact that a person got healed? Well, you know something? I remember one time, the very first crusade I ever had, man, we were having a great meeting. And at the end, a guy that people locally knew came up and said he had something he wanted to share. I was young. I thought he was going to share something edified. And man, suddenly he took what was a sweet, sweet meeting, sweet, peaceful meeting. People were getting saved. And suddenly, man, he started pushing the healing and wanting to see healings. And he made it mean and critical and negative. Well, you know, if anybody had gotten healed, would the healing itself glorify God? Well, maybe to some degree. But what really glorifies God is when we are moved with compassion. We are manifesting the character and the nature of God, and we're getting people healed from the perspective of them knowing that God loves them. All of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are supposed to be manifestations of God's love, manifestation of the Holy Spirit ministering to people and bringing something to people that's beyond us. And I'm going to tell you something. We live in a day where most charismatic, full gospel churches, man, they don't even flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They don't pray in the Spirit. They don't worship in the Spirit. They don't pray for the sick. They don't have prophecy. They don't have these things happening because it's not commercially or socially accepted to have the gifts of the Spirit happen in church services. Well, I want to tell you something. Sometimes we get so politically correct in church that we squeeze the Holy Spirit out and there's no place for God to be glorified by manifesting Himself through us. So when we live life to its fullest, people are seeing the glory of God. When we live a life like Jesus lived, 
when we live a life that's free from the curses, when we live a life that's victorious over sin and temptation, whenever we live a life that takes hold of all the promises, when we live a life where we're the head and we're never the tail, we're above and never beneath, and we're not haughty about it, a life that manifests the name, the character, the nature of God, this is a life that manifests the glory of God. This is a life that manifests this is God's truth. This is the reality of God's truth. You know, there's a scripture I always think about in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53, when it goes into what Jesus actually did through the great exchange. You know, he took our sin. We took his righteousness. He took our sickness and, and disease. We take his life and healing. You know, he took our rejection from God. We are accepted in the below. And you go through this great exchange, but this whole thing starts out with who will believe our report? Whose report Will you believe? I want to tell you something. Thankfully, God's not going to do this. But if the whole church were to be put on trial today, we would be found guilty of rejecting God's report and accepting religion's report. See, from our perspective, which is based on our life experiences, on our current focus, it's really an impossibility for these things to happen. It's an impossibility for us to, to live like Jesus. It's an impossibility to win over temptation and sin as a way of life. You know, I mean, really, people just look at this, it's an impossibility. And when we believe something's impossible, we create justifications, excuses, doctrinal ideology that confirms that these things are impossible. But see, the glory of God manifesting is when God's view and opinion becomes First and foremost, our perception of reality. So suddenly, healing and answered prayer and miracles and all of these things, you know, Satan being a defeated foe. You know, man, how many people are still fighting the devil and screaming at the devil and afraid the devil is going to kill him and hurt him when in fact he's been stripped of all power, cast out of heaven, has no access to heaven, can't do anything to you unless you believe he can. But we don't believe that report because so the glory of God is not going to manifest in our life in that area. We're going to glorify Satan. We're going to glorify a lie. We're going to glorify Lucifer. See, at some point we've got to surrender to the view and the opinion of God. You know, I didn't intend to get on this, but I remember years ago, man, when the whole deliverance thing was just over the top and people wanted to cast devils out of you for every problem that you had. Well, you know, I was around all this. I was a new believer. I didn't know who was right and who was wrong. I didn't know. But man, this nonsense was going on and all of these things were happening. And, and you know, you start trying to cast a devil out of somebody and they'd fuss and argue and want to fight with you and all that kind of stuff. And I remember one day just coming to this place where I said, wait a minute, you know, Jesus didn't go through all of this. The apostles didn't go through all of this. I'm not going through this anymore. I'm not putting up with all of this stuff. And I'm telling you, immediately, all of these crazy things that were happening in my world stop. You know, it's the same way with healing. It's the same way with everything else. When I refuse to accept the false report, and absolutely commit myself to live and manifest the glory of God, which to some degree, remember, in Romans 6 tells us that Jesus, whom we are buried with through baptism, that he was raised up from the dead by the glory of God, just as we are in walking newness of life. See, when I accept God's view and opinion, and Jesus, he would not accept the fact 
that he was going to remain in the grave. He would not accept the fact that death could hold him. He clung to what the Father said. And because he clung to what the Father said, and the Bible tells us he acknowledged what the Father said, then he experienced what the Father said. And that's the same way it happens with us. Listen, don't go away. I'll be right back with my mentoring moment. Have you ever just felt like you couldn't see the truth? I've had people say that to me so many times. I just can't see it. Well, I'll tell you something. In this new series, Paradigms, Perspectives, and the Glory of God, your eyes are going to open and you're going to discover how to always see what God's Word means and says. I want to invite you to help me with Operation 1B. You know, we're going to reach a billion people and not just get them saved, but we're going to help them become disciples. Some of them will already be saved. Some of them will get born again. You know, we've got Bible schools all over the world. We're doing all kinds of things, but I need for you to help me on YouTube to reach more people. You see, the more people that like and subscribe to our videos and our YouTube channel, the more it goes up in the ratings and the more people see it. So be sure to always like every one of my videos that you watch. And there's always going to be a button right down there on the bottom right-hand side of your screen where you can do that. And there's also going to be an opportunity now and at the end of the program to subscribe to our channel. And just doing that will get more people to see it. Listen, we can reach a billion people, but I can't do it by myself. I just need for you to help me. So be sure and like and subscribe. Every time you watch a program, like it. And once you subscribe, you've got it. So let's just talk a little bit about how we make this journey into manifesting the glory of God. Now remember, everything in our lives starts out by believing the truth in our heart. So this means that it's not just enough to know the information about the truth. We got to believe it in our heart to such a degree that we can't separate us from the truth about Jesus. And by the way, that's one of the things that we do in Essential Heart Physics. Essential Heart Physics is a 30-day program focusing on Christ in you so that you get this immovable awareness of Christ in you and this sense of limitlessness. So that's just a tool that you can use. But I want you to understand, first and foremost, we have got to believe that God is who Jesus said that he is. In other words, we got to believe in his name. We got to believe he is the Lord God that heals. He is the Lord God, the provider. He is the Lord, the shepherd, always trying to lead. You know, people ask me sometimes, Jim, you say God's always trying to lead. That's not true because I'm open. Well, you know something? A lot of us are open. Don't mean we're listening. Don't mean we're hearing because if his name is the Lord, our shepherd, then the, the truth is he's always trying to shepherd us. So we've got to believe who he is. We got to believe what his name says about him. We got to believe that what Jesus says about him. And then also, we've got to believe Jesus' interpretation of everything about God's Word because that's the place where we see the character and the nature of God. And then as we begin to focus in on the fact that because we're in Jesus, we are one with Him, which means what He has, we have. What can't happen to Him should not be allowed to happen to us. And so, then it gets out into manifesting it in the way we treat other people. You know, if we manifest God's true character, then we're always going to manifest love and righteousness. I didn't say love and, and flawlessness. I said love and righteousness. Because the world can't see God as He is. They don't know the truth about Jesus, but they know the truth about us, and they can see us, and they know how we treat them. And I'll tell you, long after people have forgotten what we said, they're going to remember how we treated them. 
Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.